0: This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC on location, 4,000 miles from home. I have the pleasure of having my good friend for only 19 and a half years, Stephen Roma Jr. with me. The Roma family has been a big part of my life. Stephen is somewhat of a bit of a stepbrother to me, and (laughs) dad's like a stepfather, and Mary's been the one who's been... uh, Almost like a second Jewish mother to me, but I can't really like, take take any any With a good anywhere, Italian sauce. Near, yeah, with, with Italian <laughs> sauce on it. Um, she's the woman who told me never to color my hair <laughs> and to be true to myself. Anyway, um, Stephen and uh, Steve and Mary started Workout World, which is now Jersey Strong, which started out as one club as a... Uh, as a uh, Somewhat of a hobby, I guess, for your mom, which has turned into the most correct, uh, most important independent uh, health club chain in the state of New Jersey. And uh, Stephen and I have been, you know, friends and and done business together since the beginning. So we, we've kind of seen it all. And and you've been you're always on the forefront of of social media and digital and thinking about, you know, what the best way is to operate a business and um, you know also at the same time running a family. Business, which you know has its pros and cons and for nuances sure. to it, so want to welcome you to the show. It's been a long time coming, and uh, want you to give your background and
1: you sure. know. Uh- sure. Well, thanks for having me. Fully appreciate it. Excited to be here. Yeah, you know, my mother started the company. You know, a bunch of years back, nearly thirty years ago. Uh, at the time, I don't know if it was so much a hobby. She's a bit of an entrepreneur, but um, she certainly didn't have any experience in the fitness industry. Right. She uh, she ran a few other businesses. Yeah, we'll uh, talk about those later. <laughs> all, all interesting and innovative. All interesting and innovative, for sure. Um, but she started the business, and uh, my father was working with her. You know, he was kind of working part-time in, in the fitness industry um, because he was still managing his other business at the time. So he was coming in late in the evenings. And uh, you know, kind of, you know, learning the business together, and they—they yeah. they literally had dueling desks. They sat in an office opposite one another. It was literally like uh, a sitcom. You know, I can remember. It, you
0: know, it would have actually been a good sitcom oh, at the time, but it would have been like bigger than the Kardashians. Oh, it would have been the Romans at a Point Pleasant.
1: In, oh, totally. That would have w- been insane, without doubt. actually, now think about it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, so my mother started it. We had one club at the time, and then uh, you know, kind of grew from there. And, and there's, you know, I went ultimately went to school, um, not knowing exactly what I wanted to do, but you know, then figured out that you know, fitness was going to be it. This was the family business, and let's uh, let's see what we can do. Yeah. Now you you, you went to school though in, in Colorado. Yeah, I went to school in Westchester, out in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and then I went to grad school for a little while out right. in Colorado. But you were and, doing um, exercise physiology. I was. From, I, I did, I did yeah. kinesiology. Kinesiology, sorry. Thank yep. you. And then uh, some sport and
0: exercise psychology, you know. So so coming back, you know, and uh, if we want to take people back, you know, a little bit of a throwback, well, you know, it was wow. Sure. Workout yep. world, and, and you had the... Uh, the dueling monkeys, if oh, I think, yes. was like the equivalent of my caricatures these days. Yeah, very nice. So, how did how did that originally come about? Actually,
1: yeah, you know, uh, even you know, early on, the way the company would operate is we would sit in a conference room with you know a few key people. And we'd be brainstorming marketing ideas. And back in the day, it was literally we had one thing to figure out, what was going to go on our direct mail that we were sending out. <laughs> that was it. Those were was, the, those, oh, well, the problems. Yeah, the problems. So <laughs> it was literally, you know, what's going to be on the front of it? What's going to attract attention? And I mean, we were reading articles and flipping through magazines and, you know, trying to uh, put some good content into our brains to maybe, you know, figure out what it was going to be. Ultimately landed on, well, babies attract attention and so do animals. And we've read they this. Try article and we said (laughs) okay let's see we don't think babies are going to work but let's flip through some animal pictures and we found these two monkeys that somehow became a mascot and became extremely memorable so at the time there wasn't a tremendous amount of fitness advertising in the market and the monkeys just started to become something that everybody remembered as part of workout world because we were on billboards and, and ultimately the direct mails as well
0: yeah i remember back in the day um I remember your dad used to say, like, you know, we're basically in the uh, in the billboard business, and like, you had some guys that would like give you like advance notice when like certain key cross sections oh, were coming to market. Totally,
1: totally. Yeah. Do you
0: think about that? That was like the uh, equivalent of like uh, Google
1: uh, key adwords, you know, like before before Google. Oh, a- absolutely. You know, it was funny just even thinking back to seeing these monkeys on these billboards. Yeah. And I mean, and this was when there used to be small space billboards as well. So right. we were able to get lots of volume, cost effective, being a lot of local markets, you know.
0: I wonder if you got a case against maybe like... Uh... Geico, maybe like whoever the director of marketing is for Geico, like basically came up hey, and be man. like, yo, those wow guys are onto something.
1: Animals work, apparently. Animals work, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> you better pick, pick your animal wisely. But thankfully, it's not a celebrity, so you don't have to worry about like a couple of monkeys getting into a True. DUI or like a, a street fight or something back then. Yes, in <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that you guys were always really good at was driving a lot of traffic. Sure. And, uh, you know, whether that was billboards or whether that was hype or whether that was a sales process, or the people that you had so maybe talk about how that started how like that became something that you had got comfortable with and saying like look like we got this is a volume game obviously we're getting people sure. results so we're bringing people in and then how you and I talked about this probably you know like 12 15 years ago and you were like always like you're always like a couple of a couple of months or a couple of years ahead of like Here's what's happening next, here's digital, here's lead gen, here's, you know, promotional, here's like gift cards, like talk about what you do actually from like reading and sure. and work and how you think about, you know, sales and marketing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Open,
0: that's a big question. So yeah. pick whichever one you yeah. want. My yeah. bad, my yeah. bad, dude. Yeah. I won't yeah. do it again.
1: It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I, early on in the business, uh, you know, I learned frontline sales like mano imano mano knockdown drag out for, you know, a $30 a month membership. And, right, right. and so my perspective was put out lead boxes. <clears throat> that's what I learned. Go do promotions you know, hawk people down to fill out a lead slip and do all that fun stuff. So that's sort of what I was brought up on originally. And that process worked for a really long time. But, you know, we we would certainly do direct mail. But over time, what we sort of started to realize is that there was, I, I don't know, theatrics are the right word but there's certainly something to be said for for gaining some pr the monkeys sure. had done that for us early on and you know so my perspective on marketing sort of grew from that frontline sales experience like what it actually took to get somebody to walk through the door so right. it was very granular you know it was sort of direct response in, in, was, from that perspective yeah was there
0: a um you're you're a pretty humble guy and you're not like you know like like brian mitchell as a good example you don't <laughs> like run into a room and be like yo bro Rob is here, right? So, like, <laughs> Try not how to. did you? Um, right, of course, because yeah. that's not that's not who you are. But but when you're in sales, like you gotta be, you gotta make a presence. Absolutely, you gotta make an impact. And I don't know, my 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 significant other Kay, who we we'll meet later. Yeah, you know, she's like Pete. Sometimes when you walk in, like uh, it's a tornado. You know, <laughs> sometimes it's a good storm, and most of the time it's bad. Um, but like, how did you get? How did you kind of grow the confidence? Yeah. to be like, look, I am the sales guy. I'm gonna sell you something. And, and like, how does it, how did that
1: change how your brain worked? Absolutely. You know, early on in my career, I confronted a moment, you know, being the son of the owners of a business where for me, I was extremely uncomfortable. I was put into a management role at a young age and was totally looked at, at least from my perspective, I thought I was being looked at as look, there's the boss's son, you know, what does he really know? And, I wasn't overly effective, and it was really painful for me to absorb. And I was in this position that felt a lot like nepotism, um, because it was, and I I really didn't know what to do. So I I look back as that being one of the most pivotal moments in my life as it relates to business development, because I buried myself in personal development, in sales and in marketing, so I yeah. started to listen to audio programs. I started to, um, you know, I had a long ride to work. That was one thing that my folks were, you know, probably didn't, you know, lean on nepotism with, and uh, that was I worked at the club. That was probably like the furthest one from where I lived. So I don't know Pur- if that was purposely. I don't or know like if that was a, purpose or it's yeah. just kind of the way things rolled out. But I had about an hour commute. Interesting. So good time for audio programs, but I immersed myself in it. And started to learn management and leadership and, you know, sales. and Could you market. used to be, I, I,
0: yeah, I went through this period and I was running Fitness Insight back in the day. And I needed a lot of self-help at the time because, yeah. like, I was running that company and oh, yeah. writing checks for payroll. And I remember that. You guys were a client. You weren't an investor at the I time, know. I remember you sitting in the conference room. Oh, man, it was crazy. But um, I always used to lean on you and be like, yo, dude, what, what should I read? What should I listen to? Like, give me sure. a book. Give me something because I needed something to anchor myself on. Is like Because yeah. I felt like I was failing. Oh yeah. Even though the market wasn't helping me, there was no wind at the sale of like a yeah. internet company it, post 9/11. You know? Yeah,
1: the perspective on what those companies were doing at that particular time was a challenging one. You know. Yeah. So you know, as
0: you kind of got to, you know, got more confidence as you totally. kind of read up on it, and look, I used to come to you and be like. You're like my resident expert. Yeah. You know, like I used to reach out to you if you remember. Sure. Back in two thousand two, two thousand and three and say, yep. hey, what do you think I should do? Yep. Not because you were a client, not because you were my friend, but because you were an expert. I appreciate that. Okay. So sure. as I think back to that, when did you when did kind of the when did it tip over to be like, you know what? I'm not the son of the owners. Yeah. I'm actually I actually know
1: what I'm talking about, and I, 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 I can execute on this. Sure. I think, I you know, it happened a little bit progressively, but at the same time, you know, again, a little bit of a moment in time, you know. I, um, w- you know, as a company, we would read leadership and marketing books together as a team, and we'd have, it was basically like a book club, and we would get together on Fridays and dig through those. And, um, you know, one of them was, uh, was good to great. And, you know, it's a, you know, pretty historic business book, but one of the principles in that book is, you know, to get comfortable with arguing and debating. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was a really big moment because I kind of came to the conclusion that I like to argue and debate, and I have strong opinions, and let's just figure out what the right answer is in this equation, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to argue and debate it. And if you can out-debate me as a team member, the best debater wins, basically. And, right. you know, and then the, you tested it also and yeah. got results, and if it worked, it worked, and if it didn't, Absolutely. it did, right? Absolutely, but if from a confidence standpoint, it started to come more from a personal level to feel as though my beliefs, my perspective, were legitimate. Right, and so, right, we're, right, so right. unless we can come up with a better idea, This is the one that we're going to go with. And we'd, you know, hash it out as a team. And like you said, ultimately put money behind it, run tests, run A-B tests, validate what was working, you know, go through the whole gamut of, you know, marketing success and analyzing that, you know?
0: Yeah. So, you know, when we met, I think you probably had like, I don't know, maybe three clubs, I'd say is probably when we originally met. Yeah, correct. And then, um, you know, as things evolved, you know, we we become co-investors and other things. We become, you know... Having uh, you know cold fire pizza, uh, you know down in Point Pleasant Beach. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been to my first pickleball tournament. You know, you know with with, with your uh, with your dad and your mom's lectured me successfully many times. So you know, a, as things have evolved, you know you you it's been a it's been a family-owned business for a long time, and sure. You know, obviously, you know it's not uh, you know you and I and and your 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 dad have kind of pursued some things and said, Hey, maybe we should go and bring in a partner. Maybe we shouldn't. Um, and then recently, you know, you you made the the switch from wow to Jersey strong, which I was a big advocate of, 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 uh, you know, huge deal for us. Huge deal. And I, I really think it like kind of defines who you guys are as people and also like kind of how it kind of cross pollinates with like what you want to be doing and what's the right thing for the community. And also like, you know, being strong is like the most important thing in life, basically, yeah. you know, for your friends, like,
1: family, but you gotta be strong. Absolutely. You know, uh, my brother is in the marketing world as well. And, you know, one summer he and I were kind of brainstorming campaigns for the business. And we both brainstormed the idea of this tagline of keeping Jersey strong. Yeah. And he's being a designer designed some billboards for us. And that became our next giant billboard campaign. first sure. the monkeys. Yeah. So we put that out there as workout world. But the tagline was keeping Jersey strong, big and bold. And we then got some staff shirts made that had the wow logo on them, but also had the words Jersey strong on them. And we saw immediate response, like almost visceral from the employees that they wanted these shirts. Yeah. It was beyond just a staff shirt. It was like, can I get one for my mom? Can yeah, I it was get like one? like a badge. Yeah, can badge I get one for honor, my brother? Right? He goes to school yeah. over here. My uncle lives in LA now. Can I send him a shirt? Like people really wanted it because there was a sense of pride associated with this phrase. And so it was interesting because we never really gave it much credence or you know even thought that maybe it would become a name someday. We just uh-huh. thought it was a cool tagline. Yeah, sure. Um, and it continued to grow. But then as the company evolved, it started to become more clear that maybe we wanted to explore how much more meaning this could take for us as a company so culturally it started to be uh, come something related to our you know philanthropic efforts so we try to you know kind of uh, you know raise raise some money for the communities and stuff like that And that's part of it now too. The, the one thing I found really
0: interesting and in, in the fact that you know you and and, uh, and your dad kind of said look our gut says we're gonna that that we should be Jersey strong, but you but you but you paid someone to do the research. Yeah, we so spent. Just a good... talk about that for a second, because I don't think people fully appreciate so that you can trust your gut, but also like do the work, because the work is available to be done. Absolutely, and it's
1: worth paying for. Yeah, it. I mean, look, this this was a really big, potentially very risky maneuver. Um, it's a brand change, and it could have been poorly received. And because right. we were sort of already associated with this phrase. It could have you know, backfired in a lot of areas. So for us, we actually confronted the concept of wanting to do a name change because we felt like it could be healthy from a business perspective. Forget about health clubs and gyms, just from a business perspective, with all the changes that have gone on in the industry with pricing models and different products and different uh, exercise modalities and classes, that it could be healthy for us to do a reboot and just to get fresh eyes on us and get a lot of eyeballs um, at one moment in time. And so we started to take the rebranding very seriously. At this point in time, we still did not have any idea that it was potentially going to be jersey strong we started to feel like maybe there was something there but didn't give it much credence so we went and did some research with um, an agency in manhattan and said like look guys we want to do a brand change and we don't know what it should be and we don't know why exactly we want to do it we have some ideas They brought us through a full-blown, you know, inventory questionnaire. We sat through multiple workshops. And ultimately, they said to us, they're like, look, you you guys are crazy to think that it's not Jersey Strong. It's like so obvious to us sitting on the outside. It's so
0: good that you didn't have that inclination. I mean, I I said to you, my gut was like, yo, this is great. Like, it makes a lot of sense. But you guys, I was actually surprised if I think back of it now, I'd be like, why don't you guys think that's obvious? And you had like this very... You had like this Chinese wall up, which was like so healthy. Yeah. Because I was like, guys, just just do it. Like, what's what's the downside? And you're like, I want someone else to tell me to do it. I think I might want to do it, but I'm not telling you that I'm that passionate about it because I want to find out if I'm right first. Yeah,
1: for sure. It's a big deal, I think, you know? I think that's a good example. You know, you bring up a good point. I think it's a good example of one of the probably the biggest business lessons that I've learned from my father He's very good at separating the logic and the emotion from yeah. his decision making and just his the way he goes about life and business in general. Um, he's really, really good at that. And so when it comes time to make decisions, we're all very particular about the process we go through and the state of mind we're in when we make those decisions. That's great. Um, That's great. So we try not to get sucked in. So what we were really cautious against was we were very... Emotionally attached and connected to Jersey Strong. And we wanted to make sure, as we would say in our conference room, don't believe your own bullshit. Right. Like, right, this right. is, this is. Do a lot, you lot of curse on the
0: podcast, yeah, by the way. Yeah, we could do that. It's yeah.
1: Full, full blown. Full. Um, right. So, yeah, so for us, that's what we were guarding ourselves against. We wanted to make sure we got a lot of third parties, a lot of people who were close to it, who knew of it, a lot of people who knew nothing of it. We spent a good deal of money on surveys, both to the general New Jersey population Mm -hmm. as well as to our membership base, as well as live surveys and Mm -hmm. interviews. I mean, we did a a ton of research to validate the fact that this was the right move. The
0: one thing I like about how you guys approached it, which now that you tell me that, it's deliberate. Like If I go into an ad agency and I say to them... um, Hey, I wanna I wanna do like Halo talks and I want it to be this way. They're gonna they're gonna do it the way I want them to do it because they yeah. wanna please the client, right? Correct. So you guys kinda went into this and being like, look, I don't know if I wanna do this. I'm not really passionate about it. You tell me what the answer is. Correct. Which is strategic, not Correct. you know, emotionally driven. Which... Correct. Look,
1: if we wanted to hire a high-priced ad agency to just design a new logo for us right. and put together a branding deck, I mean, we, we could do that. You know, we explored those options, but ultimately we came back to what's the decision we're trying to make here, you know, and is it the correct decision?
0: right, right. You know what right. I mean? So we yeah. need to
1: get past go. Literally, we were probably 75% of the way through their process and they still hadn't convinced us. So yeah. for them, it was a very interesting dynamic, to your point. Because they were. Uh, you were sending me stuff along the way, too. Us, I mean, they yeah. were selling us the whole time. Right. But you
0: which, were already like, emotionally sold. Oh, like in, we like, wanted it to, to add them. up. Right, right, but, right, right, right. Yeah,
1: but to them, they, they had to re, kind of re-educate and resell us on it every meeting. I mean, I think
0: it's a great lesson for people to think strategically about vendor relationships, partner relationships, even going into a deal. I, there was a guy who runs a very big health club chain as an aside story here, and he said, I will never meet the owner of a business that I want to buy. Never meet him. And I'm like, "What? why not? Like, don't you want to learn like how these guys think? I'm like, nope, I don't want to learn. Other people can learn. I want to look at whether it makes sense for me because that guy's not going to be, or that woman's not going to be part of this business. So I'm looking at, I'm, I'm doing an asset deal. Sure. I'm not doing a relationship deal. If I meet them, it's going to cloud the way I'm going to make this Absolutely. decision, which is really interesting. Yeah. You know, if you want to do a partner deal, it's all about who the partner is. If you want to do an asset deal, it's all about the asset.
1: Yeah. Anything that
0: this, enters the equation can cloud it for yeah, sure. Yeah. Agreed. So you basically, would, uh, I, I think people should, uh, take takeaway here should be treat your vendors or treat your advisors as if you are not swayed by anything that they are going to tell you, and don't give them the ability to, like, lead on into what you're thinking because it's going to cloud what you get
1: back. Look, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Certainly from it's a, a big, negotiating big standpoint in, in a lot of different scenarios, any information that you divulge you can, you can only expect is going to be used in some way, you know, in sure. the art of this deal, sure. right? A hundred percent. Yeah. So,
0: you know, as you think forward, um, you know, about the business, the name change went well. Sure. Um, you know, it, it kind of it, it had a nice, like, you know, jumping off point where, like, Workout World kind of was already associated with Jersey Strong. Yes. And it was almost, like, synonymous. and used to have the Jersey Strong, you know, uh, magnets on oh, the back, right? And we
1: still have them. I mean, we've yeah, probably yeah. given out, at this point, probably, you know, half a million of them.
0: Yeah. The interesting thing is because I do have a lot of people that I know that live in Jersey beside you guys. Sure. And they'd be like, uh, I'd say Jersey Strong, and they'd say, oh, Workout World. Or I'd say, hey, work out of the world. And they'd say, oh, Jersey Strong. Yeah. So, like, it was already kind of like yeah. a name association, and it just kind of flipped. Yep. So, so, as you think about, you know, running the business, and you think about, you know, maybe talk a little bit about your 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 current family and, you know, not not your parents, but like your sure. you know, by moving to Louisiana and yeah. commuting back and forth, and then, you know, thinking about, okay, what is, you know, where, do, where does Jersey Strong go down the road and, you know, where it fits into, you know, people you know, getting healthy and getting people results in in,
1: uh, in the state where yeah. you're from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we're born and bred in, uh, you know, in Jersey, been there for, you know, we started the business 30 years ago, like I said. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's it's uh, it's been an, an exciting journey so far for us. You know, the evolution of, uh, I think, the you know, for me, myself personally, with my family and ultimately role in the business and stuff has been just an awesome ride surrounded by awesome people. I mean, literally we have a super strong team committed deep roots, been with us for many, many years. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's the culture that really allows us to kind of operate. Yeah. You know, currently I live in Louisiana. That's where my wife is from. So we decided to relocate the family. She down spent there. enough
0: time in Jersey, right? she we got to give back. right? She,
1: yeah. I mean, look, she was, Quid she, pro quo she, on she that. was, <laughs> she was there for a good 16 years. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. it was good. We have four kids, kids. You know, our oldest is 11 and our youngest is uh, about to be six uh, next week. So we got our hands full, you know, one girl and three boys. So baseball practices, dance recitals, football games, and the whole nine yard. It doesn't stop. And then as it relates to the business, you know, my my role in the business CEO, I do uh, a ton of driving the marketing. That's really the cornerstone that I occupy and push forward on. Certainly operations are a key ingredient as well. But in terms of, you know, day-to-day operationally and, and really being involved in the business, You know, for me, it's all, you know, probably I'd say 75% of it is remote Uh and we do it through video conferencing and I have my morning meetings with my team and we kind of dive into it. But one of the things, you know, I was just talking with Brian Mitchell about this before. One of the big values that I've seen and I think the team has seen as well with me being slightly removed from the day to day operations is it actually has enabled me as it relates to my role to focus more on what's important to your point earlier. I'm slightly less emotionally attached to the weeds of what's right. going on at any given moment. And I have a bit more clarity to kind of help guide things accordingly, maybe ask questions that mm-hmm. wouldn't be as obvious if I were in it, you know, on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment, but don't get me wrong, you know, Working ten-hour days, just doing it from a different place and having sure. video conference calls, so I'm fully in it. I'm just not, you know, bopping through the corporate office Well, I as mean,
0: much. I mean, Charlie from Charlie's Angels was about the most effective, you know. Yeah, there uh, we go. You know, it solved a lot of crimes. Yes, yeah, I mean, pretty much every. <laughs> I don't think there's one unsolved crime in all of Charlie's Angels, <laughs> as far as I know. But um, you know, a, as you look at going forward here, you know, in closing, Jersey Strong, your your amenity set, your people, your sure. culture. You got the PT. You got the Group X you know, um, you guys are, you guys have a formidable position in the market in New Jersey. And, you know, maybe just in closing, talk about where your position is, why you feel that position really is, you know, sure. a moat, because, yeah. you know, I got a Planet of Fitness, which could be, you know, a nice little laundromat that opens up and, you yeah, they'll take members, but they might even feed more in over time. Yep. And I got these boutiques that, you know, good luck trying to, you know, market against the Jersey Strong brand. Yeah. And, um, you know, you might be around and you might be a little manual weapon of mass destruction for a couple of years, but I got a business has been around for 30 years. We're going to be around for another 30 years if we choose to stay independent. And, um, yeah. you know, we got the right team in place to, to well, execute. I think,
1: you know, it's been, uh, the industry's gone through a lot over the past, you know, call it, you know, 10 or 12 years. We've had this, you know, kind of planet fitness, low price phenomena kind of hit the industry, which sort of threw everybody on their ear at first. And then, of course, over most recent times, we've had, you know, these boutiques that are offering, you know, a very experience-oriented product in a very, you know, localized, community-oriented, typically embedded in a community in locations that health clubs can't get into. And they're charging higher prices and they're offering more I'll say a more intense experience, right? Um, refined. So, you know, for us, we've been evolving and absorbing all of that, the changing dynamics in the industry. And so that's evolved our product, not only the way that we look at it, but ultimately the actual physical product that we deliver to the customer. Right. So for us, you know, it was very early on, we got onto the personal training bandwagon. So we understood we needed to sell memberships, key ingredient to the entire business model, you got to sell a bunch of them. The secondary revenue stream was personal training. So for a very long time, we'd been doing personal training, but there was always this missing gap in between. And the boutiques really kind of leveraged that and took advantage of that opportunity. But clubs never really figured it out. And I think once we realized that there was this concept of sort of one-to-many, which was kind of like our, you know, group experience, and there was this one-on-one, well, where does the one-to-few fit? Like, is that a part of the product? Mm -hmm. And so, we incorporated that element to the product and now ultimately have have kind of, yeah, so we have like three different, you know, call it four different paths someone can really go on, and it's really a combination of any one of them, but it's, hey, come on in, big club, beautiful club, pretty club, friendly people, all that great stuff, do it on your own. You can hop into a large group training class, which, you know, have, you know, 40, 50, 100 people in it. You can go into a small studio class, which is our X-Labs program, which we've got, you know, seven different programs of, you know, you'll have maybe six to 20 people in those rooms. And then we have our um, our one-on-one personal training. And that's kind of like our suite. So in terms of feeling like, oh, do we have a mode around us to a certain extent? I think from a product standpoint, we've, you know, I don't know of too many other you know modalities that are going to be able to come out. I think it really comes down to the type of guidance you receive and what the ratio is between the practitioner and ultimately, you know, the, the kind of leader of that parade. You know, so what is how many how many participants are there to one instructor or one yeah, trainer? Sure, you know,
0: sure. And um, I guess I guess part of that's going to be for you to figure out from a marketing standpoint, like how do I tell everyone in a short amount of time everything that you could do inside of here yeah, that's sure. actually best in class? Yeah, totally. Right. So. So, um, look, it's great talking to you. Obviously, yeah, we've been friends for a long time and Good confidants stuff. and, uh, you know, mentor, mentoree, whatever relationship, whatever the Fantastic. If it's financial, I'm helping you. If it's marketing, you're helping me. And we're kind of meeting somewhere in the middle all the yeah. time. So, um, congrats on the success. I'm glad things worked out with, uh, you know, remotely running the business and then being in the ground all the time and when you need to be. And, uh, you know, mad respect for the Roma family. And, uh, you know, look forward to working with you guys. As often as possible. It's good stuff. All right, baby.
1: Good to see you. Great. Thanks, Thanks, Pete. Thank you.